So we talked about the importance of forgiveness, and I encourage you on your forgiveness journey as you move into the future. Now today we're going to talk about the ghost of Christmas present. The ghost of Christmas present. Well, the activities just keep uh, coming at us, right? It's a busy, busy time. I came across this, top things people dread about Christmas. 68% dread crowds and long lines. How many fit that? Okay. If we have our junior high or senior high, they could be dismissed at this time if they haven't already. Okay. Uh, 37% uh, dread gaining weight. 37% dread getting into debt. 28% dread gift shopping. Any out there who dread Christmas shopping? <laughs> yeah, mostly men, yeah. Uh, then it goes on to say uh, that 25%, 25% dread traveling. Uh, we go to the next slide. 24% seeing certain relatives. <laughs> yeah, there's an oddball in every extended family. Uh, 19% disappointing gifts. That's interesting. 20% of the people are concerned about what kind of gifts they're going to get and if they'll be disappointed. 60% having to attend holiday parties or events. 15% having to be nice. (laughs) 15% say, okay, for this one month I'm going to be nice and then I'm going to go back to be a (laughs) grungeon. And then finally, 12% holiday tipping. Well, friends, the point is, is that Christmas, the Christmas season is such an intense time of activities and expectations, especially uh, for you women. Uh, the stress just, just goes through the roof uh, sometimes. Now, we all struggle with anxiety to one degree or another, but Christmas can make it worse because whenever your stress goes up, Usually your anxiety goes up as well. So I believe anxiety is the ghost of Christmas present. And we're going to look at a classic passage on how to deal with anxiety from the Sermon on the Mount taught by Jesus. So if you look at Matthew 6.25, Matthew 6.25, therefore, now whenever Jesus Christ says therefore, that means you have to go back and see what he said, right? So let's go to Matthew 6:24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We are a very materialistic society. Maybe one of the top ones, I think, the top in, in the world. Like it's interesting that. A poll was done uh, for kids between ages 18 through 23, and they found out that when they asked the question, are you concerned about American materialism or consumption, 61% had no concern at all. (laughs) Whatever. Isn't that the way life is supposed to be? 30% cared but hadn't made any adjustments. <laughs> All right. And 9% uh, had, a concern, had a concern and were doing whatever they could to live a simpler life. They were also asked uh, about 
the experience of shopping and buying, and 65% said that they get great pleasure from shopping and buying. And 47% said what you own says a lot about what you're doing, how you're doing in life. That speaks volumes, right? So our American moms and dads out there have done a great job of raising (laughs) materialists. And it's just all part of our culture. And it's something that is, of course, a great concern. You know what the number one travel destination is? Think Think of it. The Mall of America. The Mall of America. How many? Oh, let's start this way. The Grand Canyon, they have 4.2 million visitors a year. Disneyland has 16.1 million visitors per year. The Mall of America has 40 million visitors per year. (laughs) I've been to the Mall of America. Any of you? No, of course. Don't buy that way. But uh, it's just interesting to think about and how that reflects where our culture is at. Now, let's see what Jesus Christ has to say about this. Uh, He says, therefore, I tell you, so based upon that, you can't serve both God and money. You can't live like the world and worship the money that buys stuff and experiences, but you need to live for God. So you don't have to be anxious about all this stuff in this world. And he's talking to mostly poor people here at the Sea of Galilee and along the hillsides. They have all these flowers. And he talks really about three areas of their lives. One is food. The other is clothes. And the other is the future, how long they will live. Now, these people were poor, so... This is really urgent for them. I mean, if it did not snow enough on the mountains, there wouldn't be water in the streams. They wouldn't have water if there were crops and the locusts came through. There were great famines that took place in that day. So there was a lot of stuff to be concerned about. And we're concerned about the same stuff, but on a higher level, I guess you could say. How many like the happy song from Despicable Me? That's a great song, right? It's fun. It's uh, engaging. I love to listen to it and, and sing along. But it doesn't make a lick of sense. It really doesn't. <laughs> Talking about happiness. Whatever happens in your life, be happy. Be happy. Well, the challenge with that is there's good happenings and bad happenings. And your happiness is pretty much dependent upon what you're going through. What's happening determines your happiness. That's why it's so unique with us as children of God, as we've talked about in past weeks, that our joy is found in Jesus Christ. No other good things are happening or bad things are happening. We can trust that God is doing everything for His good and for our good. That's where our joy comes from. Now, this, this command, do not be anxious, is mentioned four times in this text. Four different times. So he knows that we struggle with this. As you know, uh, if you have uh, seven city blocks that are layered with 
fog about a hundred and feet deep. Get that picture in your mind. Uh, fog causes a lot of confusion, doesn't it? And you have to drive slower, and there are more accidents, and it's just like everything's a little harder. Well, if you were to take all that fog and condense it, you could condense it into less than a cup of water. Imagine that? Less than a half a cup of water. And what that says is, is that anxiety is like fog. When we let anxiety work into our minds, it clouds everything. We're not able to think clearly. Uh, we're not able to engage uh, in life. And that's why God doesn't want us uh, to do that. We look at Matthew 6.33, which really is the whole point of the text. This is Jesus Christ's point throughout chapter 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, when you became a Christ follower, you went from the kingdom of men to the kingdom of God. And talk about counterculture. When you study this book and what God asks us to do, the power of His Spirit, it's just really not what the world wants to do, <laughs> nor do they, or they desire to do. But again, we're, we're part of the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit teaches and convicts and shows us that you need to have different values. You need to approach life in a totally different way. And the main thing, as we've talked about, is that life is just a test. We're living for eternity. That's where our, our eyes are at, that we're seated at the right hand of God and that we're going uh, to worship Him throughout eternity. So therefore, all of our time and talent and treasure and resources should be directed that way. Now, of course, we're still sinners, so we, we still struggle uh, with this. So it's important that we, we study this and see how we can deal with our anxiety. Notice what it says here. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It says all these things. So what are the things? Well, food and clothes and your future. God's going to take care of all that. You don't have to spend time worrying about it. You should plan, of course, but, but, but don't spend time being anxious. God commands it. Do not be anxious because God is your Father. And God is going to take care of you. That's His whole point. You seek first my kingdom. You, you get involved in my kingdom and, and you live as a citizen of my kingdom. And you glorify me. And I'll take care of the rest. That's really what he's saying. Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's such a comforting verse to so many of us uh, that we can be in perfect peace even though things might not be going well. Uh, we can be in perfect peace because we know that God is in control and that he is sovereign. Then we go to verse 19. It says, do not lay up yourself treasures on earth. This is again earlier in the passage, but again relates to the whole theme, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So if you're in this life and you are a child of God, you're living for eternity. You're not living for the things on this earth. And what happens is as you mature as a Christian, your mind is continually renewed 
by the Holy Spirit to think like a child of the kingdom. And everything you do, how you manage the resources that have been given you, your time. Your time is a treasure, right? How you use your time. We don't have enough of it. What do you do with your time? Now, again, we have a lot of things to do in life. We've got to think about, let's say, the last month. How much time did we invest in building up the kingdom of God and becoming stronger Christ followers? How much time did we spend in daily uh, Bible study and reading and prayer and, and in small groups and at church and any other type of place where you are living out The kingdom of God. And of course, that's your whole life, right? But how much effort, how much uh, concern have you had about that? Because as you build into a stronger child of God, uh, you make a stronger kingdom. And His Word is made known and, and He's glorified through your life. But again, that's your main job here on earth, is to do those things. As you go throughout the day, it's a lifestyle, but again, it takes the renewing of the mind to realize that we shouldn't be thinking what the world keeps telling us uh, through commercials and other areas. Another thing is your talent, your talent, your skills, your gifts, your abilities, your personality. How much time are you investing in putting treasures in heaven? Those treasures are going to last forever, right? How much time are you investing with your talent in terms of your skills and abilities, what you, what you do for God, how you serve Him, how you, how you minister to other people here and our family? And finally, treasure, our money, the resources that God lends to us in order to manage on His behalf. How much are we investing in His kingdom opposed to our kingdom? When I say our kingdom, I mean that we're not just providing for our needs and different things, but we're, you know, materialistic. I mean, just think about this. Think about how much you've given to God's kingdom this past year. And say to yourself, would I consider that or somebody else consider that generous? If they look at the amount I gave to God, But they say that person is really serious about being part of the kingdom. We've got to think through these questions. These are hard questions, friends. But again, we need to continue to be renewed. Matthew 6, 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. Now, this is the Sea of Galilee. It was a special place of migration. For some reason, birds came from all over the place to the Sea of Galilee. So all I had to do was look up in the sky. And there was the illustration. Uh, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You ever seen a bird barn before that wasn't made by <laughs> one of us? <laughs> ever seen a bird stockpile and stuff? No, no. The bird has been given instinct by God on how to survive, how to get the worms and the insects uh, to eat and give to their young and how to build a nest and how to care for their young and when to push them out of the nest. That's all instinctual. They're not thinking this thing through. God has implanted it within them. 
So he's talking about these birds, and he says, Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? And again, he's trying to get the point across is that God cares for us perfectly. And if he's going to give that much attention to taking care of birds, well, how much more attention is he going to give to us? But still, you know, we, we don't want to stockpile stuff, right? Because we're concerned about the future and uh, we overplan and, and sometimes we, we save too much money. Or some of that money should be coming into God's kingdom, right? You always got to be thinking with God's eyes, God's perspective, God's kingdom, and making all types of decisions. Friends, because what we have here on earth is going to be gone. It's not going with us. I read a story this past week about a woman who lived in New York. She's an elderly woman. And she had had a bad experience, of course, in 2008, which many of us did. <laughs> And she also had a bad experience with the bank. So she decided that she was going to keep her life savings in a mattress. Uh, so her mattress was full of American bills and uh, Israeli shekels of a million dollars. She had a million dollars in her mattress. And she would sleep on that mattress night after night after night. Well, her daughter-in-law... Uh, came in one time and noticed her mattress and felt it. And she said, she needs a new mattress. <laughs> you see where this is going. <laughs> I want to surprise her with a new mattress. So she ordered the mattress. The mattress came in. The elderly woman didn't know anything about it. So they just took the old mattress, that million-dollar mattress, <laughs> and threw it in the trash. And it's interesting, according to the news report, the elderly woman didn't realize it till the middle of the night. That's a nightmare, right? They just lost a million dollars. They showed video of the woman looking, her daughter looking in the trash. You'd be looking a long time in the trash for that. The point is, at any time, there are so many things that can go wrong in our lives financially, uh, relationally, uh, in any area. And the point is, you don't stockpile. God does not give you money to stockpile it so you can feel more secure. You need to be wise, of course, in your financial planning. But a lot of you, uh, you know, are not honoring God in your giving because you're too worried about the future. And you could give more to God if you started to let the Holy Spirit renew your mind and see the kingdom of God, from his perspective, and what we should be investing in. The strange thing about this whole thing, when we talk about food and uh, clothing and our, our future, is we trust Jesus Christ with our salvation, right? We trust that he is our Savior. And we read the word of God, and we're transformed by it. And we grow as a Christian, we mature as a Christian, and we know we're going to spend eternity with God because of what Jesus did for us. So, so we trust Him as our Savior. We trust Him with the really big stuff. But what about paying for that bill? <laughs> what about that health condition? What about my, my child's rebellion? Uh, 
Sometimes we don't trust Him. We trust Him for the big stuff, but when it comes right down to it, we don't trust Him for the little stuff. God, you really can't handle this. Isn't that silly? Friends, we need to trust God in every area of our lives. And, and as we went through our series on the attributes of God, it was very helpful uh, to see just the scope of God to some degree and understand who He is. So as you read Scripture and you renew your mind, and as the Holy Spirit transforms your mind from uh, the kingdom of man thinking to the kingdom of God thinking, you are going to be able to trust God in those situations. The reason you don't trust God, the reason I don't trust God in many situations, and we have anxiety, is because we think He can't help us out in this one. And friends, that's what Jesus Christ is saying here. I'll take care of the secondary things. You focus on the kingdom. Oh, you look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Now, a span in that day was from the shoulder uh, to the fingertips, an average of about 18 inches. So the point is, by worrying, can you add an hour to your life? Well, a day or... Does it, does it help? Well, no, worry. Worry drains you of energy. And people, of course, are very concerned about their health. And that's a good thing. You know, people will work out every week and they'll invest money in different things that will help keep their body healthy. But you always have to take, okay, how are, like we talked about several weeks ago, how are you taking care of your outer body compared to how you're taking care of your inner soul? and cultivating that garden there where you dwell with God. So let's say you spend, whatever, let's say five hours a week exercising. That probably means you should spend five hours or more in developing your relationship with God because you're giving more time about your concern about your health and the future than you are to the fact that you're a child of the kingdom and you're going to go to be with Him, and it's good to exercise, but hey, when it all comes down, nothing on this earth will last. It will be only those treasures we lay up in heaven, as we've talked about here. Then we go in uh, Matthew six twenty-eight and 29. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... And all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Along the Sea of Galilee had these hillsides. And uh, the word there for lilies is basically flowers. And it was not one particular flower. It was all been different types of grasses and flowers on the hillside there. And they don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You can take a microscope and look at the finest piece of clothing. And when you get down really, really close, you're just going to see sackcloth, right? But if you take a flower, if you take a flower and you take it under a microscope, it, it's an un, it just gets more beautiful as you look at it, right? Because God takes care of the flowers. I mean, they're more well-dressed than Solomon, it says, right? Because God is supernaturally providing 
uh, for them. Uh, it's so important to understand that, uh, you know, it's, we all want to dress well and things of that nature, but some people really struggle with being chopaholics or they just need to... <laughs> you probably heard it from your kids, right? You know, this is not in style. Mom, I don't have anything to wear. And you take them to their closet and say, well... Where about these clothes? Oh, I can't wear those clothes. You know, that's where we kind of live uh, with this type of passage. And sometimes some people struggle with this, where they just need to buy uh, the newest type of uh, jeans or uh, tennis shoes, those type of things, and they're quite costly. And then you just need to think about yourself. Okay, in regards to clothing, where am I investing my treasure? Am I buying what I need and giving the rest of the treasure to God or I am buying much more than I would ever need? Again, that's it's a process. You can pray about that if you struggle with it and the Holy Spirit will help you. And in verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you of little faith? Now he's talking to the crowd here. But four different times he talks to the disciples. He says, O ye of little faith. And here they were, right with Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself. And they still didn't have the faith. And typically it always related to either food, clothing, or the future. And Peter was a real worrier. You see him many times worrying about different things that were going uh, to happen. First period. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, is about uh, the idea of you know, investing in your spiritual life. Uh, he's talking to women. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the cutting, uh, putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, is very precious. Says it all right there. Speaks to us men as well. We should be concerned about the outer body, but our inner spirit, our soul, who we are as children of God, as we renew our mind, is what God is really concerned about. That's where He wants us to be investing most of our time, not worrying about those other things. Let's jump to Matthew six thirty-two. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, if you're not saved like a Gentile was, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I'd have every right to be anxious because I'm the only one who's controlling this thing. In my mind, I've got to provide for the family, I've got to be successful on the job. I've got to work this out, and I'm really worried about the future. Well, friends... We have God as our Father. We have God as our Father, and He is there always to provide. Matthew 6.34, I've always kind of laughed at. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. (laughs) Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to that? Amen. You You hear a lot about being in the moment these days, living in the moment. Well, Christ followers have this supernatural freedom to do that. 
Because they don't have to think about their past because God has forgiven that as we talked about last week. And they don't have to worry about the future because God is their Father and He promises to take care of you. He promises you'll have food and clothes and that He'll be, uh, again, uh, talking, taking care of your future. Uh, then we go on into uh, Matthew uh, 6.33 again. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So that again is the main point. You need to seek after God. You need to pursue holiness. You need to pursue knowing God's Word and living for Him and experiencing Him living through you. That's the top priority. And all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. The food the clothes, the future. Don't focus on that stuff, God is saying. Don't worry about that stuff. I'll take care of that. You just need to learn to trust in me. And some people think about different events that could happen in their lives. I don't know if I could ever handle that, you know, losing my spouse or losing a child or whatever the case might be. But, of course, we often turn to Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, and the book is full of, full of immense, how difficult life was. But then the writer says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That flow of love is ongoing. His mercies never come to an end. They're endless. They are new every morning. Now that's a key phrase there. They're new every morning. You didn't have the grace yet to handle tomorrow. So don't be worrying about tomorrow. Because you're going to get a new dose of grace every morning. And God knows just the amount of grace that you need to deal with the issue that you're going through. So if you just feel like, I can't make it through today, well, just pray. That's the best way to trust in God and give that issue over to Him. And you can pray all day if you need to, right? But don't be worrying about tomorrow. You don't have the grace yet for tomorrow. Like a manna coming down, right? Only, you know, once a day enough for that day. And that's how God leads us, step by step, day by day, trusting in Him. I love verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. And there's, there's the same message, right? Where are you putting your hope? Where, where are you putting your security? Put it in your financial reserves? Are you putting it in something else? No, only one thing will stand true, and that is our merciful God. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I want to thank you uh, for this time to dwell on anxiety. And uh, uh, we all struggle with it to some degree or another. And it's like that fog that can confuse us and keep us from thinking clearly. I pray, Lord, that you would help us all as we head into this week to... Meditate on this passage and remember it. When issues come up, help us to say, Lord, help me to have a bigger view of you. Help me to be able to trust you with this issue, which I don't think you can because I'm not trusting you. I'm being anxious about it. I pray you would transform us in that way. In Christ's name, amen. Well, at this time, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to collect our tithes and offerings. And while they're doing that, I just wanted to give you a quick update on India. Uh, this past month, I've had an opportunity to talk with uh, one of the district leaders that uh, we entered into a relationship with in southern India. And 
he told me uh, that just in the past two weeks that they've had 15 people come to Christ, and they have started two new churches. And so it's been really, yeah, praise God. It's been so exciting to see what God's done in southern India. We have a partnership with our disciples.